welcome to today's episode of Hellenic Polytheism 101, where I will be looking at another one of the Theoi, Hestia, the goddess of the hearth and home. Hestia was goddess of the hearth and home, and for that reason, she was worshipped universally throughout Greece. Every home had a hearth and a fire, and so she had a place there. She was also worshipped at the public hearth in the center of town and at all public altars. Unlike most of the other Theoi, I don't really see a lot her get a lot of attention in public and online worship, which is why I wanted her to come second in this Theoi series that I'm doing right now. Hestia is vital to our worship as Hellenic polytheists. Without her, there is no hearth to present offerings from. Hestia is the eldest child of Cronus and Rhea, the firstborn, and so she was the last one spat back up again as they all came out, making her both the youngest and the oldest, first and last. She is also one of the three virgin goddesses of Olympus. When a couple of the gods were asking for her hand in marriage, she turned them down and asked Zeus, in his role as king, if she could remain a virgin goddess who tended to the hearth. This was partly to keep the peace, as the war for her hand was getting pretty ugly, and so he said yes, and there she is. As a result, she receives the first portion of any offering, as decreed by Zeus, in thanks for her sacrifice. She has no children, no husband, but is still at the seat of the home. She's also one of the not-Olympian Olympians. She wasn't present in a lot of myths, but how she went from Olympian to not-Olympian Olympian is one of my favorites. In the myth, which isn't hers, but is actually the myth of Dionysus and how he came about, Dionysus comes to claim his place as an Olympian god, and Hestia gives up her throne to him. One of the reasons why she's considered to be the kindest and most charitable of all the gods. Instead of being seated as a throne, she sits in the middle of the throne room, attending to the sacred hearth, keeping it eternally lit. And so, while she's not technically an Olympian, she still resides in Olympus. It's one of the reasons why the Olympians, while being 12, are also kind of at the same time 13. Hestia is also the one who invented homes, who gave us a place to live in, and a place to sit, and rest, and have families, and do everything you do in your home. In the middle of a pandemic, I'd say homes are becoming more and more important to a lot of people. She taught humanity how to build houses, and therefore protected civility. Anyone who wanted to find her could find her, in any home, or at the center of the city where a hearth for her was kept eternally burning. Her hearth was sacred. It was where the fire was kept burning, keeping the home warm. It was where all the food was cooked, keeping the inhabitants fed. It was where offerings were made, appeasing the gods. The hearth was the center, the life, of every home, every city, everywhere. And as Hestia was goddess of the hearth, she was also the center of household worship and city worship. Indeed, her homework hymn goes, Hestia, in the high dwellings of all, both deathless gods and men who walk on the earth, you have gained an everlasting abode and the highest honor. Glorious is your portion and your right, for without you mortals hold no banquet. Where does one not pour sweet wine in offering to Hestia, both first and last? And you, slayer of Argos, son of Zeus and Maia, messenger of the blessed gods, 
bearer of the golden rod, giver of good, be favorable and help us. You and Hestia, the worshipful and dear, come and dwell in this glorious house in friendship together. For you too, well knowing the noble actions of men, of men, aid them on their wisdom and their strength. Hail, daughter of Kronos, and you also, Hermes, bearer of the golden rod. In that, it says, Hestia, first and last. While it also calls back to her birth as firstborn and last to be returned, it also calls for a specific worship style of her. Hestia is the first of the Theoi to get an offering when worshipping the Olympians. Her libation is poured first. She also gets the last libation poured as well. Prayers and worship should start and end with her. She is vital to household worship, and since all worship in modern Hellenic polytheism is is essentially a home-based worship, because very few of us are fortunate enough to have worship extend past the home, she should also be included in your daily worship. Now, I get that that can be a little tricky. I mean, my house hasn't used a flame to cook for the last 11 years, because where I live, it's all electric stoves and ovens. Sometimes, if the weather is decent, we can take the cooking out of the home and to a park or a lake with a grill. We also don't have a hearth in the traditional sense. Neither do a lot of people, because there aren't a whole lot of fireplaces. I mean, I haven't had one in, like, 18 years. From a fire safety perspective, you also can't keep an eternal flame lit. I mean, I've got cats that knock things down, and every fire safety thing I've ever read has made it clear that flames should never continue existing when someone isn't around to babysitting them. And after I've lost my home to an unattended candle, I totally agree with that. So how do you worship a goddess of the hearth of an eternal flame in a world where food isn't even cooked with a flame all the time anymore? Well, mostly by remembering that she is the goddess of the hearth and home. When cooking a meal for the home, pray to her. Use cooking a meal for the home as a devotional act. Use cleaning as a devotional act. Keep a candle lit to her on the altar when you safely can. For me, that means one of those massive Yankee candles in a jar that I keep going on my Sundays off when I'm usually home, as well as for the few hours between when I get home before I go to bed and when I wake up before I leave for work. You can pour a libation to her when you have the first sip of morning coffee or tea or water or whatever it is. When you move, you can let your altar be the first thing unpacked and the last thing packed. And always remember to give her an offering as the last act when you leave the old place and as the first act when you find a new place. As for her offerings, well, you can get awfully creative. Traditional offerings of grain and wine, honey, bread, clean water, incense, and all that are all still perfectly good. But I've also found that things that remind me of home are also good. For her, I choose candles that smell like apple pie or clean linen. I choose vanilla-scented incense. Her sacred symbols are the kettle, and so I have a small cast iron tea kettle on the altar as a votive offering for her. It's barely big enough for a cup of tea, but it works. And her sacred animal is the pig, so I have a small pink pig as a votive offering too. I keep letters from my kids, rocks picked out by them, and an acorn from the last time we were whole on a family vacation as votive offerings to her. 
because these items represent home to me. For your own offerings, choose things that represent home to you. Foods that you associate with home, like for me, that's shepherd's pie and mac and cheese, or scents that remind you of home for her candles, or even drinks that you associate with home and home-like feelings, like hot chocolate. They can all work for offerings. If you have a fireplace, you can pray to her when you light it. In building a relationship with Hestia, I've actually built more of a home, even in places that weren't really technically my home. Like when I was living with my mom and my stepdad, or when I was crashing with my ex and his family. I mean, praying to her helped me feel more at home even when I wasn't at home. It got to the point where worship of her and having the feeling of home went hand in hand. A home is where Hestia is, where her worship flourishes. During any holiday on my calendar, she gets to be there. She's the first one prayed to when I light an offering given to all the Theoi. Even when I have to make things real quick, she is called to, first and last. Usually like this. Beloved Hestia, I praise you. Praise be to all the Theoi. I thank you for all you do. Hestia, first and last, thank you for the flame that brings this offering to all. It's short, it's simple, and it worships her in her capacity as first and last. Family gatherings also include prayers, and when that happens, she is called to first and she is thanked last. Example, like at Thanksgiving, a holiday that to me my family is all about family, the prayer starts with, Hestia, goddess of the home and hearth, we give thanks to you for bringing us together today, and ends with, praise be Hestia, first and last, for all that you do to make our house a home. I mean, at Thanksgiving, I also thank Hermes and Zeus and Demeter as well, but Hestia comes first and last. Without her, there would be no hearth, no home, no food, no family, no altar. Now, you'll notice that those quick prayers of hers, unlike the ones that I did for Hermes, don't include much in the way of epithets. There's actually a couple reasons for this. First, I've only ever seen two historical epithets for her, Hestia of Councils and Hestia of Parantius. The Parantius was like a chief officer of the state, I guess. I mean, they called state meetings, saw foreign ambassadors, and conducted day-to-days of the affairs of state, including things like overseeing the treasury and putting official stamps on stuff. But they also only ever served for 24 hours at a time and could only hold that office once. That meant that pretty much everybody, every man in Athens, served as that. To me, it's telling that these things are the epithets for her, that these are the only two historical epithets that she held, because neither one of these are great for the household worship. So it's hard to use them as not a statesman (laughs) in household worship. That means that for the most part, you're kind of on your own in coming up with epithets. I mean, you can use beloved Hestia, Kind Hestia, Virginal Hestia, those are all well and good. So you've got to kind of come up with your own for her. That means that I don't use a lot of them in prayers because there's not a lot of historical to draw back on. Now, another reason I don't use nearly as many with Hestia as I do for other gods, especially Hermes, is because Hestia doesn't have much in the way of roles. 
Remember I said that we use epithets to narrow the role of the deity we're praying to? Yet yeah, Hestia doesn't have that. She doesn't have a role that has to be narrowed. She's not got 20 or 30 or 50 different things that she's looking at at any given time. She's Hestia of the hearth and home, the kindest and most charitable, the gentle one, she who gave us homes, first and last. So there's not really a whole lot in the way of epithets for her. She is simply Hestia. So when it comes to using epithets, you can really kind of pick and choose which ones you want to do, you can make up your own, or you can use, like, simple ones. Beloved, kind, charitable, or my absolute favorite, Hestia first and last. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Hellenic Polytheism 101, where we discussed Hestia, goddess of the hearth and home. As always, you can find a transcript of today's episode, along with all the others, at goddessdoeswitchery.tumblr.com under the tags transcript or transcripts. You can also find the links to the sources I used in today's episode, which were the theoi.com page for Hestia, Homework Hymn 29 to Hestia, the Wikipedia entry for Parantius, because I had no idea what that was and had to look that up, and Hellenic Polytheism Household Worship by Labrys, and finally, Mythology of the Greeks, Legends Anterior to and Contemporary with the Trojan War by George Grote. You can also ask me any questions on that Tumblr, including questions you would want to be answered in the next episode coming on February 21st about the King of the Gods, Zeus himself. I look forward to seeing you all then. <laughs>